Genesis chapter 1 tonight. The God of creation. But I want to go back before creation. Because I want us to, in some way, pause just for a moment to have our minds blown a little bit by God, right? The person of God. Because the first four words of the first book of the Bible is in the beginning, God. That doesn't mean that that was the beginning of God. This is God active in the beginning. Because before there was, God is. Before there was, God is. Let's not ever forget, though we have a hard time comprehending it, that God never had a beginning. He's always been. Always. Everything else had a beginning. God never had a beginning. You can go back as far as you want to go. God is there. And we don't know, obviously, in the course of eternity, you know, when God decided to create the universe that we know. But hopefully through our study of this entire book, we will come again to be reminded that it all began with God. It only makes sense in God. And it's all sustained by God. In the beginning, God. The beginning as we know it, as human beings. The word God is an important word to stop at. It is the word Elohim. It is plural, which gives us a hint from the very beginning of the Trinity. In fact, in verse 26, God said, let us make humankind. Us. So I believe from the very beginning, God is letting us in on who he is. He is even at the beginning. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This word created is a word you will see throughout the first couple chapters of Genesis. It is the Hebrew word bara, B-A-R-A. It is only used in the Bible, to describe God's activity. Now, there are other words that are used. God made, God formed. And we're going to talk about those words when we come to them. But this word sets God apart, not only because he was preexistent, because he's always been. He had no beginning, unlike everything else. It's one of the things that separates God from everything else. He's the uncreated. 
But the other thing that separates him is that he is the only one that can create something out of nothing. And that's what this word means. God brought the universe into being out of nothing. You and I as human beings can make things. We can form things, but we have to have something to start with, right? God doesn't need anything to start with to create. In fact, he created the universe out of nothing. I want to encourage us with that truth about our God. If God can create the universe out of nothing, then believe that God can do things with very little today, right? So often we lack faith that, well, there, you know, there, there isn't much there to work with. God doesn't need much to work with. In fact, what Genesis reminds us of is that God doesn't need anything to work with. God can bring something into being without anything being there at all. So be encouraged by that in your life, in someone else's life, in the circumstances of life. God can bring something out of nothing. Another thing, though, I want to point out about this word created. And I want us throughout our study of Genesis to pause and think about this. This word also speaks about God choosing to create the universe that he made. Let's remember something. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, have always existed. And they were fine. Nothing wrong with them, right? And they could have existed for all of eternity with just the three of them hanging out, doing whatever God does, and been perfectly content, been perfectly fulfilled. In other words, one of the things we have to come to grips with is God didn't have to create anything. By the fact that he chose to create reminds us that this is all his choice, and that when he made that choice, he realized, because he's a lot smarter and wiser than any of us, that he was now setting himself up for an eternal investment. In other words, once he created us, he was going to be invested in us forever. The good the bad and the ugly. I mean, when you think about it, it should bring our hearts to just be stirred to worship our God. I mean, you think about all the trouble God, in a sense, caused himself when he chose to create, that he could have spared himself of all the heartache and pain and all that by simply not creating anything in the first place. And again, been just, as my parents used to use this term, hunky-dory. He'd have been perfectly fine. 
Nothing lacking in God. It wasn't like he needed us. And yet when he chose to create the universe, and especially humankind, as the Net Bible says, he realized, I'm invested into these people for the rest of eternity. It'll never be just the three of us. And all that these people bring, we're going to deal with it. Because we understand what we're getting ourselves into when we created the universe. Unlike us many times as human beings, that we really don't understand what we're getting ourselves into, or we don't fully comprehend it or recognize it or appreciate it. God absolutely understood everything that he was going to have to deal with and go through when he first spoke the universe into creation. So I want us to start out there even, before we even get to creation tonight, right? Is begin to contemplate how wonderful and amazing our God is in the fact that, first of all, He's always been, can't totally understand that. That he can create things out of nothing, can't quite understand that either. But that's what makes God so amazing. In fact, I'm going to steal a line that you're going to hear when we begin our worship series in the book of Job, but it's so appropriate here. If God is small enough to understand, he's not big enough to be worshipped. There's always going to be things about God that's beyond us. And that's okay. We, sh we need to be okay with the mystery of God. And then to realize that God created the universe and that he was invested for all of eternity. You know, as parents, obviously we choose to have children. Yeah, we realize, okay, for the next 20, 25, and maybe even our lifetime, okay, yeah, that's the choice we made. God, eternal investment. I'm locked in with these people forever. It's never just going to be the three of us ever again. So think about that when you come to, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was without shape and empty. It was a blank canvas for God. There, there was nothing there. Though God had a design in his mind, there was a blank canvas to begin with. Darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was moving. Oh, that's I love that. He was literally hovering over the surface of the water. The Spirit of God was there at the very beginning Moving, just like he's moving tonight in this room and maybe in your homes and in our lives. The Spirit of God is always moving. The Spirit of God does not stay still. He's always working and moving, just as he was in creation. And then it says, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I want us to see now this next thing. And that is that we must never forget that God spoke the universe into being out of nothing. And it tells us again about the power of God's word. In fact, look, 
one, one of the things when we study the Bible is to see repetition, things being repeated over and over again for the sake of emphasis. Notice verse 3, God said. Then look at verse 6, God said. Verse 9, God said. Verse 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. Verse 24, God said. Verse 26, then God said. Chapter 1 is filled with God literally speaking and things coming into existence. And I want us to apply that to our life. God wants his word to be powerful in our lives. He wants us to allow his word to speak into our lives, to speak over our lives, to be guided by his powerful word and to have faith that his word is powerful. If God can literally say it and it can come into being, then we can trust his word to do miracles and amazing things. And God has given us his word to be able to speak into our lives, into other people's lives, and into life situations, and to be able to take control of things that are chaotic and to bring order out of chaos, which is what he did at the very beginning of creation. God said, thus saith the Lord. There's another phrase that is repeated throughout Genesis chapter 1. You see it first in verse 4. And God saw that the light was good. Notice how this phrase is repeated. At the end of verse 10, God saw that it was good, the seas. And then verse 12, God saw that it was good, the trees and the fruits of the trees. Verse 18 at the end, God separated the day and night and the stars and God saw that it was good. When God created the animal kingdom at the end of verse 21, God saw that it was good. At the end of verse 25, God saw that it was good. And one final one, the end of verse, or excuse me, verse 31 God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. This is God's opinion about his creation. What does the word good mean? It means two primary things. That it's excellent. God saw all that he created and said, this is excellent. That was what God thought of his creation. And the second main thing that this word means, it's beautiful. Beautiful. God saw all that he made and said, this is a beautiful universe. This is a beautiful creation. We sung about that tonight. You and I see the beauty of our God through the beauty of his creation, including us, the crown jewel of all that he created, humankind. So God saw that it was good. 
And God, back in verse 4, separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning, marking the first day. Notice that God is the one who gave names to define his creation and his universe. Now, later on, he's going to bring the animals to Adam. And Adam, and, and Adam is the one who names all the animals and gave the animals their names. But God is the one who called the day, day, and the night, night, and the heavens, heavens, and the stars, stars, and all. We get these names from God himself. He named his universe. He named his creation. And he gave mankind and even the animal kingdom an orderly rhythm to live our lives by, by creating days. And those days making up a seven-day period we call a week. And then a month and the lunar cycle and all of that, how we get our years. God had it all built in and designed into his creation because God wants us to live with a rhythm to life. He also wants us to understand that he is the God of every day. That every day has significance to God because he created every day. He created the first day. He created day two and day three and day four. And he created different things on each day. And he saw that it was all good. And you and I can apply that to our lives. He is the God of our every day, not just our some days. And every day can have significance and meaning and purpose because we can be in touch with the God who created us and all that we see around us every day. And we can make a difference in this world for the God of creation every day. He's the God of every day. Don't miss out on any day to get in touch with the God who created you and loves you. Something else we see as we move on. Verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above. And now notice another phrase that you're going to see repeated throughout Genesis 1. It was so, the end of verse 7. Notice again, this same phrase is repeated at the end of verse 9. It was so, end of verse 11, it was so. And uh, end of verse 15, it was so. End of verse 24, it was so. End of verse 30, it was so. If the words God said teach us that God spoke the universe into existence, the phrase, it was so, reminds us that God willed the universe into existence. In other words, everything God desired came to be. If God willed it, it happened. Everything you see here that God said he wanted done, it happened. It, it was so. There was nothing that God willed and wanted that didn't come into being. It was so. I say that for us to apply that in an encouraging, comforting way to our lives. Everything that God wills for the rest of our lives 
for the life of our church, for the life of our country, for the life of the world, for the life of eternity and all that, all that is within the hands of our very wise and capable and trustworthy God. And if he willed it to happen, it will happen just as he said. It will be so. Take comfort in that. Nothing is going to happen that's going to take God by surprise that's going to catch God off guard or that's going to be outside his purview and parameter of being able to deal with. It will all be contained within his will. It was so. It was so. Something else I want us to pay attention to tonight. If you go up to verse 14, God began to create the lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day and the night and let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years. Again, God set this all up for us to have a rhythm of how to live life. Okay? And to let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky, verse 15, to give light on the earth. Don't miss that. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night. And he made the stars also. Oh, yeah. Those bazillions of stars. It's almost like, you know, just an afterthought. But, oh, my goodness, you go out to the night sky. It's one of the great things about living out as far as we do. <laughs> if we live in a dark skies community, I mean, there's no street lights, there's nothing, it's dark. And yet I go out almost every night and I just look up when the sky is clear and I, I just, my jaw drops. That there are more stars up there than, in fact, there's so many of them, they, they begin to sort of like meld together. You can't see them all. I love the nights when I can see the shooting stars and even watch the satellites going across the sky. But just to speak about the greatness of our God, I was sharing this with a dear friend earlier this week. The North Star is the closest star to us. And yet, it takes 350 of our years for that light to get from that star for us to be able to see here. So that means that the light that you and I saw today or tonight from the North Star actually started radiating from that star in the late 1700s of our time. It took, takes 350 years for that light to travel that far. And that's the nearest star. In a galaxy of 100 million planets and stars, and then they're telling us it's possible that there's 100 million galaxies even out there? Oh my goodness, God is so amazing and so great. But I want you to notice this in verse 17 again. God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth. On the earth. There's a significance to the earth. Don't miss that. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, is it the only place in the whole universe? You know, Because you, you hear people say, well, surely in such a big universe, there's got to be life somewhere else other than the earth. Not necessarily. 
In fact, when you read the book of Genesis, it's like God makes sure that we understand that the earth has special significance to him. That even the way he arranged the stars and all of that to shine on the earth a certain way and to give us the seasons and to tilt the axis and to make sure that we were just perfect enough away from the sun to be able to get warmth but not close enough to burn up and all that. That it was very strategically placed and that the earth has special significance because God calls it out many times in Genesis 1. There is something special about the earth just as there is something special about us, human beings. Because only are we the ones, in verse 26, who are made in the image of God. Notice, God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness. We're the only ones in creation. So again, that places special significance on us. It separates us as human beings from everything that God created. And yet the Bible teaches us. Jesus even said, look, it's not that God doesn't care for his creation. We're going to see it. He cares for everything he created. He sustains it all. He provides for it all, as we're going to see in just a moment. But God has a special place in his heart, if you will, for us. And we must never forget that. That's why Jesus said when he was talking to people about their, their, their anxiety and their worry, he says, why are you worrying? He says, my father knows when a bird falls out of a tree. My father keeps track of a bird. He knows when that bird falls out of that tree. He's the one that takes care and feeds that bird every day amongst all the other bazillion birds that exist on earth at any one time. And then Jesus said, how much more valuable are you to my father than that bird? Do you not trust him to watch out for you and take care of you whenever he watches out for the most microscopic little insects that he's created that he watches out for too every day? And yet we're the only ones made in his image. And what does it mean to be made in the image of God? It means to be made in his likeness in order to resemble him. Please, I'm not saying we become gods. That's a false doctrine. But God designed us in his image so that we could resemble him in ways that we as human beings could resemble him. We'll never be almighty. We'll never be omniscient. We'll never be omnipresent. We'll never be able to share the attributes that make God God. But we can be loving like God. We can be merciful like God. We can be gracious like God. We can be forgiving like God. We can be compassionate and caring like God. In those ways, we can become like God. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. So God made us in his image because you, you and I alone are unique in creation to be able to represent him in a way. But the word also means to be his representative. We are God's representatives here on this earth. We are not only to resemble him, we are to represent him before others. And that's a huge privilege and honor. And then, one final one, notice as you read on, so that they may rule, reign, have dominion 
over all that God created, over the fish, the birds, the cattle, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move on the earth, God created us to rule and reign over. He literally created it all, and then his design was, I'm going to entrust you all to run it, to manage it. We've done a terrible job, which is why Jesus had to come, redeem us, and then one day, as we've now read about and studied in the book of Revelation, we go back to him making a new heaven and a new earth, and now we're given a second chance as the redeemed of God to do what God originally wanted us to do in the first place before sin entered. Sin reduced our capacity and ability to be able to rule and reign over creation properly, to manage it well. But once that sin was taken care of and we can go back again, God will place us back in that garden again, back in a new heavens and a new earth again, and give us another opportunity throughout eternity to rule and to reign and to watch over and to manage the new heavens and the new earth, doing it much better this time than we did the first. I have a few minutes left. Let's go over then to the end. Verse 27, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. It was so, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was the evening, and there was the morning, the sixth day. A couple things from this last passage. First of all, not a big point to me. You'll notice that at the beginning, man and animals were only vegetarians. We did not start eating meat until after the fall. Then God said, have at it. But the original plan was mankind only ate fruits and vegetables and animals only ate fruits and vegetables, okay? But beyond that, the important thing here I want to zero in is going back to verse 27. When God created us, it literally meant so much more than just what we maybe conceive in our minds when we think of that word. He is, first of all, our architect, our designer. Not one of us who is sitting here in this auditorium or standing here in this auditorium or those of you who are watching from your homes tonight came into being without God having a design in mind exactly how he wanted to create us down to the minutest detail down to the color of our hair, the eyes, everything, how tall, how this, how that. It was all in God's design. God took time to design us, to fashion us, to shape us. We are not who we are. We don't look like we do 
by accident. We are a special creation and special design of God. And I want us to be mindful of that because we live in a world where we, many people don't like the way they look or how God made them, if they even believe in the God who made them, and if they don't believe in a God who made them, then they certainly don't probably like many things about their physical appearance. Our God, just as he took the time to design the stars and the planets and all of the animal kingdom and all of the flowers and all of that, he took even more time to design and build, if you will, each of us. Because again, we're the crown jewel of his creation. We're the only ones made in the image of God out of everything that God made in the universe. The second thing I want us to see here at the end is that God wants to bless his creation and bless especially his people. Notice this is said there in verse 28. God blessed Adam and Eve. And back at the, at the beginning of, uh, more towards the middle, I should say, of the chapter, in verse 22, God blessed the animal kingdom and even said, be fruitful and multiply. It simply means God wants to prosper his creation. Just as God wants to prosper us, he wants us to live in prosperity. Now that doesn't mean, as many people think, oh, material prosperity. That's a very small part of it. The greatest prosperity you and I can have is God, is knowing him more, is living in him, discovering more of him. That's the greatest prosperity is God. But God wants to bless his people. And then finally, verse 29, God says, surely I will provide for you. That's what he says when he says, now I give you all of this for food. I'll provide for you. I'll take care of you. I'll watch out for you. And God not only said this to the human beings he created, he basically said this to the animals. God is saying, if I created it, I'm obligating myself to take care of it. Again, when God chose to create, it was no small decision on his part. He realized that when I chose to create the universe that I created, I obligated myself to care for it all, to provide for it all, to make sure that it had all the needs met. And you think about that. Think about all the needs in the universe that God meets every day that you and I don't even give it a thought. We don't even think about it. And yet every day, God is meeting the needs of the smallest, most microscopic animal that he created to the largest whale in the ocean. To every human being, God said, I'll provide. An eternal investment God made when he chose to create the universe. But let's bring that down real personal. When God chose to create you and bring you into existence,
God said, you're an eternal investment for me. I'm going to love you from the moment you are conceived in your mother's womb. In fact, even before you were created, I believe God set his love upon you. And you have never been unloved a second from that time on. And God will continue to love you throughout eternity. And God can love you no more than he ever has and not love you any less than he ever has. His love for you is constant. And he will watch over you. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. Because that's what he said he would do. And it was so. May we be encouraged tonight as we consider and contemplate God, our creator. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you tonight for giving us insight into creation. God, none of us as human beings were there when you created the universe. And if you would not have chosen to reveal it to Moses, we wouldn't know how the universe came into being apart from you. That's why history is truly your story, God. You're writing it. You brought everything into being. You make sense of it all. And you sustain it all and provide for it all. And so God, as we... <laughs> hopefully expand our minds and hearts towards you, God, through this series, that our worship of you will be expanded as well. That, God, every day our, our hearts and minds will be a little bit overwhelmed and overcome that a God that is greater than we could ever conceive brought me into existence, loves me, has a purpose and plan for my eternal existence and that without him, I could not or would not exist. God, thank you for bringing us all into existence. And I pray, God, that we would live our lives to your honor and to your glory, our great creator, each and every day because you're the God of every day. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.